Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Whitley, and you're tuned in to another Wondering Whitley session. First of all, happy Founders Day to all my Delta Sigma Theta Sorors. I am so happy today, just because today is our Founders Day. Um, one of my line sisters made this cool reel, and it's just so funny because <laughs> we did these votes on like best personality and things like that. And on one of them, I got voted best stroller. And I'm like, is it because I'm a dancer? Because I definitely don't know any of our strolls. Like, I'll be in the back freestyling. <laughs> That's why they put me in the back. But anyways, how y'all doing tonight? Um, tonight, today has been a pretty chill day. Y'all, just overall, I'm just really on this mission of creating ease in my life. Like... With my job, I, I feel like I always strive for excellence, while at the same time now, I just feel like I'm trying to do it from a place of just ease. Like if it's too, too difficult or I'm pushing it or forcing it, I don't do it. With my kids, I just feel like mentally and emotionally, I pick my battles where I feel like I had gotten a, a stage of like nitpicking on everything or correcting everything as soon as it was out of order. I just told myself this semester, I'm like, Whitley, kids going to be kids. And, you know, when you think about it, they in this school in our school don't have no windows because it used to be, I think, a juvenile detention center way back in the day. You know, so our school don't have any windows except the windows at the front of the building. And I'm downstairs, like in our basement. I'm like, that's what's wrong with these kids. They ain't got enough sun. <laughs> but yeah, like I just came to a realization once I went to that conference too. And I'll just give this to y'all too. Like whatever, you know, you do for a profession, if you're line of work has like professional organizations that host conferences or PDs that's kind of specific to your worker that you can go like out of town or even in town, but y'all gather to do them. Not those, you know, super boring PDs, but those things that kind of rejuvenate and refresh why you do what you do. If you do love what you do, I suggest those, especially at least once or twice a year at different seasons because for me going there it really did and then it's just a break the Christmas break came at the right time but it really did just kind of give me a reset and give me just a new perspective of what my own intentions are but also how I've been approaching them and so yeah I just been because I'm on this wave of creating ease in my own life with my kids, like, I definitely don't let them get away with a lot of stuff, but it's just certain things I don't address. Like, my sixth grade boys, I have a boys dressing room and the girls in my room. <laughs> and, like, the boys be in there being weird. Like, they they just, and it's right by my desk. Like, the girls is across the room, but the boys, they'll go in there, be turned on off the lights. And I used to just correct it. Hurry up and get out of there. Get out of that dressing room. And now I'm like, as long as they get to this dance floor and they get out on time, have at it. <laughs> if y'all want to be in there, you know, like making weird jokes with each other, doing all that extra stuff, turning on and off the lights, whatever. Like, 
<laughs> and it's just and it's just become so much more peaceful, I think, between our relationship, but also just how I feel when I leave work. Like I don't feel as mentally and emotionally drained like I I I did before the break. And I think that's partly because like when you have to manage so many kids every single day, sometimes it can like make you feel as though like you got to be in control of everything. And I told myself, you know what, part of what they do, they're going to be kids. And I don't want to nitpick every single thing. Like I really don't. And I think it was easier for me to stay in because that's naturally who I am. And I just, it was easier for me to stay in the spirit and that essence when I was subbing. And again, I can just drop in like the fun aunt and then drop out. But then when you're there for a long period of time, you know, the kids get used to you, you get, the kids get used to you, you get used to them, you know, you get used to certain routines and, you know, you want things a certain way. And I know for me, I just started to get so like tight. So I'm glad that break came. I'm glad I got a renewed sense of what my intentions are and how I'm approaching them. And, you know, I just been allowing myself to have fun, which brings me to tonight. We had rehearsal with my cheer and dance and I've just even been seeing them just smile and laugh more. And it's been my intention this year. One of my intentions to become a better coach as well, because the way I approach things, because I can be a perfectionist and because I love dance performance, sometimes I can approach it with like, I wouldn't say a lack of grace, but just so like, if it's not the way I know it can be, I'm not giving any praise. It's almost like I make people work for my love and affirmation. And with kids, I mean, even with people like that's tough. But especially with kids, when at that age, they really need your affirmation in a healthy way. They need their self-esteem built up. I think inadvertently, not intentionally, I think sometimes like I robbed them of that because I would critique a lot, but I didn't give a lot of praise like it wasn't balanced at all. And that was something that I really reflected on during the break. Like I do want to push my girls to excellence. I do want us to be competitive, but I do want to be mindful of how I'm getting us there. Like I want them to be encouraged to try. And it was so crazy because these past two rehearsals, I've been mindful of that. And today, like one of the girls who be struggling like with technique and stuff, instead of like critiquing everything she was doing wrong I was mindful of how I said things and I gave more praise when she did it right and I'll be like yeah that's right now just extend that leg and to see her like get something that I know like she's been struggling I feel like that was an affirmation for me that yeah Willie sometimes it's your approach you know not so much that they can't get it sometimes it's just like You don't have to lie and say things were good that they weren't, but there's nothing wrong with affirming all the things that went well and really celebrating that. And then, you know, one thing at a time, critiquing one thing at a time because it's going to take time. But to just see the the breakthrough my dancers have been having even in the past two days by how I've been approaching 
them and the energy that I'm bringing to practice and not so like, you know, rigid, especially the way that I learned dance. Like, I don't really care how the teacher is. Honestly, the, I, I didn't grow up so much with the old school teaching, but I've had some old school teaching teachers like from the real old school. They used to whack you, you know, so I'm, you know, I can learn either way. And when I'm learning too, I'm just in the zone. So I don't, you know, I'm not that pressed about, you know, especially when it comes to something I love like dance. I'm not that, that phased by how a teacher is approaching me, but that is important. You know, and then especially at this age, when they're doing this, some of them may not go off and join cheer dance team beyond middle school. Some of them probably won't have a skill level to really make those teams. And that's just a reality in middle school. And you know this from being in middle school, whether with sports, whether with extracurriculars, like it's the time where you try out a lot of things because in high school, you do just start to hone in. Like in middle school, I was very competitive and good at track. I played volleyball. I played basketball. I I did do cheerleading because we didn't have a dance team. But then when I got to high school, we had a we were the first cohort that had a ninth grade center. So I went ahead and played volleyball. I I didn't I did do track in ninth grade. No, I didn't do track in ninth grade. I stopped running track because by the time you got to high school, even though I loved track and I was good, like when you get to high school, that's another competitive level. And what they used to do is you have to run like every race during practice. And I realized I'm not that committed to this. So again, like, you know, you're good at one level, but then you really start to hone in once you get in high school. And, you know, some of the girls that we attract, in middle school may not, you know, I can see their skill level. They might not be to the level of even making a competitive team or even making a school team, depending on where they go. If I've seen that school perform or they may not even have the interest. Like I've asked many of my dancing cheers from this year or last year, you know, you plan on trying for a team? Oh, I don't know. I think I want to play volleyball, <laughs> you know, things like that. So you know, it doesn't mean that I am not still intentionally focused on continuing to build my program, but I've been doing, you know, just my own reading, my own investigation and been really focused on the pedagogy, which is the way something is taught, the way something is presented. And if I'm questioning this about the dance world as a whole it makes me look at my own practice and how I'm presenting it to the students who I'm responsible for and you know I owe it to them to make sure I'm giving them my best and also creating an environment where they can thrive now I don't mean to make this no dissertation about dance but I'm sharing this because these are just things I've been reflecting on and you may have something that I don't know whether it's dependent on connected to your work, connected to a relationship, connected to how you, you know, approach situations, connected to how you deal with emotions that maybe you have been reflecting on or you have been thinking about how can I do that better? Or am I doing my best in this area? Am I thinking about this with a clear mind or am I handling my emotions 
you know, with maturity or in a healthy way in this area? Does this position always give me anxiety? You know, do these people respond to me in a certain way consistently? You know, and is it just them or is it something that I'm giving off or doing? And sometimes those realizations are hard to to have because we have to be honest with ourselves. And it's easy for me to say, you know, they just not serious about dance. Like, I'm going to be like this. This is just how I am. And I've been that way. I've been that way even this year. Like, they had to get with the program. And then just during this break, I was really reflecting like, no, Whitley, like these, these students are the reason you even have a job. These students are the reason you have a position. These students are the reason, you know, that they going to bring you back because you got a dance program or because you're doing this after school. And if you running all them away because they telling their friends, nah, she, she cool. She know what she doing, but like her energy off or like, it's just not fun because at that age, they do care about having fun too. And when they're having fun, they're going to work hard. Like when they're having fun, they going to work to get their best. And in the past two days, I saw that, but I changed my energy. I changed the way I was approaching it. And I think that that's huge. That's huge for me. And I'm being transparent with sharing it because I love dance. I love what I do. And I know how I can get, especially if I, you know, see a vision. I want it to be a certain type of way. But I really did reflect and ask myself, who are the students in the room? And am I so blindly committed to the content, to what I think this should look like and how it should be pursued and how it should manifest? Or am I being cognizant? Do I still have my vision, but am I being cognizant to the people who I'm teaching? Am I aware to the people in a room? Changing the language, changing the approach based on who is here, the times that we're living in and why they joined. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about me. And that's something that has been a huge, huge reflection. And you may not be in the same position as me, you likely are not, but you can look at this for yourself in any area of life. That can be in a relationship, a friendship, a uh the way you just approach problems you know it it can it can it can be a lot another thing that's been going on uh today y'all i i think i told y'all a few days ago when i had that dream but i woke up and my my biological dad he texted me saying my uncle passed away which is his brother and I was like, oh, no. And at first I was like, who is that? And then I didn't think about it till later when I the next day when I text my dad back. Well, I didn't text him back. I called him and we talked and he was like, oh, I'll let you know, you know, when the arrangements and stuff are. And I was like, Ugh. you know, he talking about a Saturday or Friday. Like I really got things going on except these next two weeks. I was like, ooh, there's stuff going on. So it made me kind of nervous, but I was like, okay, I guess he's going to let me know. He texted me today, and he was like, hey, the funeral's going to be uh, next Saturday. Do you think you can get a flight? And when I saw that message, I'm not going to lie, y'all. I got immediately annoyed, and I got anxious, 
and not at him per se, but I was like, I'm about to be traveling this weekend. I just was spending money last weekend for uh, this conference and all of these things were planned and they still like, you know, are taken from me, even though, you know, I want to do these things. And it's just like to get a get a flight to go here for like a day because it's going to have to be a turnaround trip for this funeral. I was just like, I'm looking at it and I still haven't responded, but it just made me anxious and I'll be real with y'all and y'all will probably hear more about, you know, my story as I go on. I like it to just flow, be organic, but I'll tell y'all this, I, I, I grew the way I was raised, like I was raised around my family, but to me, I don't come from one of those families where like, once I got out the house, I always look forward to go back home. Like, oh, I can't wait. Like, I had peers and stuff who was homesick and they did have certain traditions and stuff during the holiday. Like, that was never me. And even though I want to create that with my family moving forward because I think it's important. Like, I just didn't grow up like that, you know. And so it's it's times where I can go weeks months without talking to my mom without talking to my sister and I still love them but and to other people they may be like what what what's wrong and you know certain family members we all certain families we all have certain different dynamics and that's something I want to continue to work on I feel like in my own time with my mom we have our own place with my sister. There's no beef or nothing. It's just like I like we didn't really grow up with the tradition of always like calling and keeping up. And me and my sister, when we see each other, it's like joking all the time. But when we out of sight, sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind. And it's not something I'm proud of, but I'm sharing this with y'all because with my dad, my biological dad, I first met him when I was like kindergarten first grade we we lived in this apartment complex and I remember around Christmas this man walks in with my mom and at the time I knew who I called my dad and I knew he wasn't my biological dad but he's the guy who I said I spent Christmas with he still treats me like a daughter she was dating him and had been dating him since I had memory so that's you know at that age you create attachments so when this man walk in, I'm looking up at him like, who does dude mama bringing in? Like, Carlos know him? <laughs> like, that's what I'm asking at that age. And I'm sitting down on the floor. I remember I was coloring. And my mom looked down at me and she was like, Whitley, this is your dad. And I was just looking up at him like, okay. <laughs> you know, so I got up and hugged him or whatever. And he came around playing Santa Claus, you know, um, we went to Arkansas. We spent Christmas together. I went with my sister. And then after that, I didn't see my dad again until I was in middle school. Like, I don't know what he went ghost. I think my, my little sister said he went to jail for a minute. I don't really know. But from kindergarten, that was the first time I met him. I didn't see him again until I was in middle school. 
And I remember it was around Christmas time again. He came in doing the same thing, playing Santa Claus, buying things. And he was trying to introduce me to another child he had had, which is my little sister. Um, and I was looking at her like, I got a sister. And this is what I'm thinking in middle school. And, I, and I'm just now reflecting on these things because, you know, I think about my middle schoolers now. Like, you have real emotions. You have real things going on. Because I remember thinking that in middle school, like, dude, I barely know you. And you trying to have a kumbaya with this other woman's child and trying to tell her, tell me she's my sister. Like, that's cool and all, but you had her. Like, I don't even know you. So stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> but that's what I thought in middle school. That that really is. And of course, I didn't say that, you know, I'm happy to see my dad like you are at that age, even though you're carrying a lot of resentment. Like, I'm only I'm only able to articulate this in hindsight, like going through my healing phase as an adult. But that's what I felt in middle school. And then after middle school, I didn't see my dad or talk to him again until I was in New York and I was 24, 23, 24 years old. And around that time, I was healing a lot. This was like 2017, 2017. Um, I was like really heavy in the church. I was, I was just doing a lot of healing and stuff. And something came over me like, Whitley, call your dad. I don't even remember how I got his number, to be honest. Like, I don't even remember, but I called him and he was so surprised to hear from me. And I just told him, you know, hey, I just want to say I forgive you. I love you. There are no hard feelings. I didn't call. I didn't want nothing. He was like, wow. He was asking me what I was doing, everything I had accomplished. And then he wanted me to come and spend either Christmas or Thanksgiving with them. I think it was Thanksgiving. And so I did. And that was the first time I had saw my dad since middle school and before then when I first met him. So these are three key points in my life, but years had went by. And so 2017, I'm what, 23, 24 at the time, I think one of those. And so I'm giving y'all this backstory. I'll tell more of my story in this way in future episodes, but I'm giving y'all this context because when I got that text today, you know, me and my dad, we still don't talk as often. Like we have a relationship but, you know, I'm still getting to know him in my adulthood. And, you know, my uncle who passed, I met him once when I went out there the first time in 2017. He was real cool. So I know it's not so much my dad want me to really come out there for the funeral. <laughs> it's more so because he want to see me because he be wanting me to come out there for, you know, the holidays and whatnot. And this Christmas, I was just like, I just really don't want to go out there. Like, we don't do nothing but sit around in separate rooms, watch TV. And I don't even watch TV like that at my own house. Like, I don't want to drive to Arkansas and do that for a whole week. Like, I'd rather be at home. And when I got that text today, the money part made me start being cynical. Like, man, I don't even know this man like that. Like, I don't want to spend my money to fly out there for a funeral like that I you know we didn't really have a relationship and somebody may be watching this like dang like but I'm just being transparent because it may be somebody who you grew up in the same type of family dynamics where you're still processing how you want to 
build the family that you'll have out of your own womb, out of your own space or, you know, but it also takes healing those parts of our lives, you know, that just weren't perfect, which no family is, even in a two parent household. But I don't know how I feel about that now. I don't know even why I'm sharing this with y'all, but you know, that's just where I am when I got it. And I plan on probably likely going because I am in a space where it's like, I don't want any of my family, the one I created with my friends or like my blood family to feel like I'm so busy that I can't stop for family because life happens. And the real thing is, it's just the inconvenience. That's like the real thing is, is real inconvenient, especially cost wise. So that made me cynical about, I don't even know this man, like, and I don't really feel that way, but I'm feeling that way just because I'm thinking about the inconvenience it's calling, causing me financially, not even so much on my schedule. And that's real for me. So I'm going to share with y'all what's real. Um, so I'll let y'all know what I do, how I handle this. But I kind of gave y'all that backstory too, because, you know, no family is perfect. No person, even, you know, there are people who come from two family households who end up on drugs and, you know, selling their body, you know, so I don't blame my mom or my dad or, but I, I do give context because even I'm still trying to understand why I am the way that I am, why I operate, how I operate. Um, why a lot of times I can be in isolation for a very long time and it's, and it's difficult sometimes for me to allow myself to depend on people. Um, all of those things are connected to how I was raised and the environment that cultivated my need to always withdraw or not trust people so heavily And I want to work on that because I have amazing people in my life who have proven their dependability. And even they tell me, Willie, you just don't share. You don't, you know, and these are friends I've had for years. So these are things I'm still working on. But it is a lot how I grew up and how I saw family act toward adults, family act towards each other still um, just the dynamics of my own life and so if I have the intention to create something new you know when I'm married and I have kids I also think it's important sometimes for me to look back at what has created my underlying beliefs because to me I don't really know that I can create something new even with just an intention if I don't realize how I adopted the things that I don't want to recreate. Because at the end of the day, the reality is, you know, I'm, I, I had this more than I've had the thing that I want. And so even if my intention is to create something new, I'm going to perpetuate what I was always in, which connects to what I told y'all about my students and my cheerleaders of withholding love when things didn't go my way and then giving praise very incrementally. My mom's relationship was like that with me and my sister. When we did well, we barely got a hand clap. It was like, that's what you were supposed to do. And when we did bad, like the critiques were nonstop, you know, and that's how a lot of people are raised. They raised on like survival and critique and, you know, you know, your parents love you, but 
you don't feel that balance. All you feel is the critique. All you feel is what love is going to be withheld if you fall short of my expectations of your level of excellence. And a lot of people are raised like that because they was raised like that. And so that even though my intention was to make them the best and give them love in a way that I knew it, I had adopted what I had been raised in. So it took this break for me to see that. So that's what I have for y'all tonight. I know I was all over the place, but if this conversation was for you, I know you'll find value in it. And so I love y'all and I'll see y'all in the next one.